What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engage JSU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Um, as we wrap up this series, Like and Share. So if this is your first time with us, first of all, my name is Jesse. So glad you decided to spend your rainy Monday with us. You guys braved the storm, so I appreciate y'all being here. Um, But what we've been going through the last few weeks is this series called Like and Share. And so the whole purpose of this series, based upon the name and the graphic, is to talk about something that we're often on and we all love, which is Instagram. And so we've been kind of looking at this this app and talking about how so often we find ourselves on there comparing ourselves to other people, seeing how we're doing in comparison to them. And we've seen that we don't compare though because we have Instagram, we compare because we have insecurities, right? And so Instagram, what that does is it doesn't make insecurities as much as it magnifies them. It kind of brings them up to the surface in our life. And when that happens, we experience these pretty negative emotions, emotions like discouragement, emotions like loneliness, and emotions like anxiety. And so we've been talking about how we want to learn to choose contentment over comparison in order to allow ourselves to be healed of these insecurities, but also to enable us to celebrate people on Instagram instead of comparing ourselves to them. So that's kind of a quick, quick overview of what we've been doing. And so tonight, as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about the only thing we haven't talked about, which is anxiety. And tonight... What I'm excited about is that we're talking about anxiety from a very specific perspective, right? Because we can talk about anxiety in a lot of different ways, right? We all experience anxiety in our lives. We all know what it's like to worry, uh, to experience the the overwhelmingness of something. We all get that. But tonight, we're going to make it very specific by talking about anxiety when it comes to social media, when it comes to Instagram, and and talk about why we experience that, what we do because we experience that, and then how we can stop doing that in our life. Because I know for me, it's so easy to open that app. It's so easy to get on Instagram and to feel anxiety. And so now we're going to talk about that, and we're going to allow 1 Samuel chapter 18 to kind of help us do that. So once again, if you have your Bibles, open it up. If not, we have the verses on the screen, so feel free to follow along with us there. So many of you guys know I'm an identical twin. And, you know, growing up a twin has some pretty cool perks, right? You know, you're always getting to hang out with, with a best friend, 24-7, right, all the time. You get to play some pretty funny tricks on people. Uh, probably the best one is that you always have somebody who looks just like you that you can literally blame anything on, right, which is why my brother's in jail now. Um, just kidding. <laughs> and it was funny to watch that kind of sink in to people as y'all were listening. Um, but, but even though it has a lot of really cool perks, and also being a twin has some pretty big disadvantages too. Probably the biggest one is that everybody just assumes that you two are the same person. I mean, I'm not even kidding when I've said that multiple times, multiple times I've been in conversations with, with people, and they'll start to give me credit for something that my brother did. And so as they kind of, you know, finish talking, I'll, you know, I'll kind of correct them and say, oh, you know, actually that wasn't me who did that, that was Josh who did that. And they'll say, oh, same thing. Same thing. Nope. <laughs> definitely, not, definitely not the same thing, not the same person, because I'm a real boy too, right? <laughs> and so naturally, since everybody was putting us together as this one person, it became very easy for the two of us to start to compete against each other. 
Because if everybody sees you as being the same, then you feel like that you actually have to be the same. So that means if one of us is like killing it in sports or one of us is like dominating the dating game, the other one felt this pressure to do it too. Because literally you don't have an excuse not to, right? If you're the same person, right? You got the same genetics and same DNA. It only makes sense that you should be really good at this too. And so we constantly found this pressure all, all up in our lives, all across our lives to, to, to compete with each other. But I remember very specifically feeling this when I was in college. Because me and my brother went to the same school, had the same major, and even had the same concentration within that major. Which, like, I know it totally, like, it totally undoes everything I just said about us not being the same person. But we're not. We just are very similar. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, naturally we had a lot of the same classes together. And so when we took these classes, we found ourselves competing to see who could get the better grade. And guys, I'll tell you, no matter how hard I tried, I could not hang with my brother in college. I mean, the dude just like kept beating me. I mean, in fact, one time I remember we had a history class and he got 100 on the test, which is like, like impossible to beat, right? So that's kind of hard. Or like we'd be in the lit class and he, I'd get like an 88 on a paper. And I feel pretty good about it, right? Because B's ain't bad, B's ain't bad. And so... I'm feeling pretty confident, but then he would get his paper back and get like a 93. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so this went on and on, class after class, semester after semester. I could never catch up with him. I could never have as high as GPA as he did. And it was amazing through all of this, I found myself in the midst of trying to compete with my brother, starting to feel anxious. Right, starting to feel anxious because I'm trying to match him, and I can't. I'm trying to hang with this guy, but instead I just keep losing. And no matter how hard I tried, no matter what I did, no matter how much effort I put out, I still found myself coming in second place. And see, how I felt in college is how the person feels in the passage that we're looking at tonight. Because what we're going to do is we're going to jump into a story that's taking place when a guy named Saul is king. And he's king of a place called Israel. But not too long before this, there's this shepherd boy named David who decides to show up and, and to kill this, this guy named Goliath that you probably heard of before. And you can imagine doing that gave him a whole lot of street cred. And so Saul thought it would be a good idea to make him the commander of his army. But as David continues to serve Saul, he continues to become a better, better, and better warrior. And so Saul finds himself in this competition with David. And he starts to become anxious because like me, no matter how hard he tries, no matter what he does, he can't seem to catch up with this dude. And so that's what we kind of know, what we kind of see happening as we jump into our story in 1 Samuel chapter 18. So let's begin reading verse 6 together. It says, When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. And as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Right, so David and the soldiers of Israel have made their way back after winning a hard-fought battle against their nearby rivals, the Philistines. And as they get back, they're met with this victory train, right? They're met with all these women from all these different towns all over this country who have come together to line the streets to celebrate what these guys have done, to celebrate their win. And as they do, we see there's dancing, right? Different instruments are being played. All this stuff is happening and they're starting to sing a song to each other, right? This song meant to honor and to praise 
the different people responsible for this battle. And so the song talks about how Saul, the king, right, he has slain thousands in battle and David his tens of thousands. Now, probably the purpose of this song, or excuse me, yeah, the, probably the purpose of what was meant behind the song was to really exalt and really praise and honor Saul, right? Because what it was saying was that Saul, the king, and the person that he chose to be commander, David, how make a great team who's killing thousands of their enemies. And so they're singing this song to one another right as Saul walks through because they're trying to praise him. They're trying to congratulate him for his success. But, you know, when we find ourselves competing against somebody, it's easy to hear compliments and think that they're criticisms. And that's exactly what Saul does with this. Because he doesn't look at this song as being something good. Instead, he interprets it in the worst possible way. Because listen to what we see in verse 8, it says, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? All right, so clearly he does not see this song as a praise. He clearly sees it as a threat. Right, he sees it as a threat and when he hears it, he starts to experience these negative emotions, right? It triggers something inside of him, so he becomes angry, and he becomes displeased about what these other people are saying about David. And so Saul starts to worry, because he worries about what he looks like next to him, right? David's over here being credited with killing all these thousands of people, right? He is looked at as being the better warrior, and so Saul thinks it's only a matter of time before they eventually decide to make him king, Instead of Saul. And how Saul feels in this moment is so often how we feel in our lives too. Right? Not when somebody sings a song, but instead when we find ourselves on Instagram. Because like Saul, so often when we're on Instagram, we see something that triggers these emotions inside of us. Right? Maybe we come across a picture of an old friend and they post this recent picture that shows how they're now in amazing shape. And it just reminds us that we aren't. Or maybe we see the feed of a new friend that lets us see how trendy they are when it comes to their style. And it makes it realize that they're a lot more fashionable than we are. Or maybe we see yet another post of somebody our age who's getting engaged. And it just highlights this idea that we're still riding the struggle bus of dating and we don't see ourselves getting off anytime soon. Right? All these things happen. We see these certain things on social media and it triggers, it triggers these emotions inside of us because we see these great things happening to other people. And so we become anxious. We become anxious because we worry how we look next to them. Right? We worry how we look next to that person who's fit, how we look next to that person who's engaged, how we look next to that person who's fashionable, right? Because we feel like because we're the same age that we should be in the same place as them. But since they're ahead of us, we feel like we're losing. We feel like that we're behind. We feel like that we need to catch up. And so naturally we become anxious because we're not in the same place in life where they are. We don't look like they do. And so we start to worry. And when we worry, that's when we find ourselves doing some things 
just like Saul does in verse 9. It says, and from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Right, because Saul can't catch this guy, he decides to keep his eye on him, right? To keep an eye to make sure what he's doing. What's interesting, though, is that the Hebrew word for eye is actually connected to the Hebrew word for jealousy. So it's as if the author of this passage is saying that Saul kept a close eye on David because Saul was jealous of him. Right? And the reason that Saul was jealous of him is because Saul can't catch him. Right? Saul can't keep up with him. Right? David's over here getting praised because of what he's done. Right? He's over here being credited for killing thousands of people. Right? He's over here doing all these things, and Saul can't keep up with him. It's like David is setting this bar, and Saul can't reach it. And once again, we get how he feels in this story. We get what's going through his head because we understand this pressure. We understand this feeling of not being able to reach somebody. Because when we become anxious that we're behind, we also become jealous of those who are in front of us. We become jealous because we can't keep up with them. Right? No matter how hard we try, we can't seem to follow the latest fashion trends. Right? No matter how hard we try, we can't seem to get our love life together. No matter how hard we try, we can't get fit. We just can't do it. And so it's so easy for us to look at these people and feel like they've set this bar on Instagram of how we're supposed to live our lives and we feel like that we're not even close to it. And so we get anxious. And we become jealous. And like Saul, we constantly keep our eye on them. We constantly go to their profile. We constantly like to see those pictures because we're just hoping to find something that shows us their life isn't as perfect as it seems. Right? To show us that we actually can keep up with them. And then we find ourselves being critical because we want to make ourselves feel better about where we are. Like Saul, we become jealous because we can't keep up with these people. Their life just seems so much better than ours. And as Saul continues to wrestle with jealousy, as he continues to struggle to keep up, we see once you jump down to verse 15, things get even worse for him. Because in verse 15, this is what it says, when Saul, Saul, seashares by the seashore. Now, when Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. He was afraid of David, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. So Saul's hustling, right? He's trying to hang with David. He's trying to keep up and he can't. And what happens is he starts to get afraid. He starts to get scared of David, right? Saul doesn't like what he sees when he looks at David. Because see, Saul doesn't want to see David's success, what Saul wants is for other people to see his success, to see how great he is, right? He wants people to sing songs about how he has killed the tens of thousands, not David, right? He wants people to love him because of what he has done, not because of what David has done. And we get this because when we're anxious, we don't want to see other people's success. We want other people to see our success, right? That's why we felt this pressure to constantly post about how great our life is on social media, 
to post about how great our life is going on Instagram, right? Because we need to show people that we're living our best life, right? We need to show people that we're succeeding, right? That we're succeeding in school, that we're killing it when it comes to the dating life. And even at times, and we can all admit this because we've all done it, even at times trying to show people that we're succeeding in our walk with Jesus, And we do this because like Saul, we need our success to be seen. We need people to look at us and see how amazing our life is going. We need our success to be seen. Because we feel like if people see how good we're doing it, that means that we're keeping up with them. We think if people see how great we're doing, that means we're not falling behind. That means that we're winning. But when people don't see that, that's when it gets bad, right? When we don't have anything to share because our life really isn't going that great, when we don't get all the likes and the comments because we don't have a picture to post, but, when we, but yet we continue to see other people killing it when we're not, living their best life when we're not, that's when we become scared. And that's when we start to see their success as our failure. Because that's what Saul does, right? Saul sees David's success as his failure. And when we're anxious, we do the exact same thing. We see other people's success as our failure. And when that happens, that's when the insecurity that we already have starts to be magnified. That's when that voice inside our heads that we've been talking about this entire series begins to talk to us. And when it does, it tells us you're not doing enough. Because if you were, you would be the one engaged. If you were, you would be the one with 10% body fat. If you were, you'd be the one looking cute, right? That's why it keeps yelling at us because it tells us you're not doing enough. That's why all these people are better than you. That's why all these people are killing it. That's why everybody else seems to have their life together and you don't. And it keeps telling us that over and over and over again, that we're not doing enough. And we become overwhelmed with anxiety. We become overwhelmed with jealousy. We begin getting scared because we're not doing enough. And so we feel like we have to post because we feel this pressure to show, if only to ourselves, that we are being successful. And we need other people to see that so that they can affirm that in our lives. So we wrestle with this. We, 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 we grapple with this, right? We, we find ourselves feeling so anxious because we have to show that we're doing enough because we're afraid if we're not doing enough now, then we never will. We'll always be behind. We'll never be able to catch up and we'll constantly live our lives feeling like a failure. And so as Saul continues to feel this pressure to succeed in his life, it gets to be so bad and it gets to be so intense that he comes to realize that there's only one option. The only way that he can get ahead, the only way that he can catch David, the only way that he can keep up is by killing him. That's what Saul realizes. That's how bad it gets. Saul comes to this point that his only option, he believes, is to take David's life. 
And so in his process of trying to do this and trying to come up with a plan, we see that in the beginning of the next chapter, in chapter 19, he ropes in somebody to help him with this. Because this is what chapter 19, verses 1 and 2 say. It says, Saul told his son Jonathan and all, that the, all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken great liking to David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. And so in a a crazy, dramatic turn of events, Saul decides to come to his own son, his oldest son, Jonathan, to ask him to join him in his plan to kill David. And apparently Saul has no idea that that Jonathan likes David, right? Has no idea that these two are actually really best friends. So because they're best friends, no surprise that Jonathan chooses not to go with his father, right? But instead chooses to stand up for his friend. He looks out for him, he warns him, tells him what's going to happen, and tells him to go into hiding in order to protect him and keep him from getting killed. And then if you continue to read, what you'll see is that the next morning, David actually goes before his dad and convinces him not to kill David. Convinces him that instead of taking David's life, he needs to realize all the great things that David has done for him. So Saul says, okay. And at least for a moment, Saul chooses not to go after David. And I'm sure Saul was shocked when he heard Jonathan do this. Because the reason that Saul goes to Jonathan, right, the reason that Saul goes to him to ask him to kill David is because Jonathan is the oldest son, which means Jonathan is the heir to the throne. So if David is out of the picture, Jonathan has a greater chance of being able to take over the throne once his dad passes away. And so what that means is even though Jonathan had every single reason to hate David's success, just like his dad, he doesn't. And even though it would make sense for Jonathan to want David to be dead too, he fights for the guy's life. Because see, unlike his father, Jonathan doesn't see David as a, as a competition. He sees David as a friend. Unlike his father, he is not concerned about his success. Instead, he cares more about David's success than he does his own. So he doesn't want to take David's life. Because Jonathan realized this is more than just him. And see, Saul is too busy focused on himself. And Saul thinks that this is just only about him. Because see, that's what anxiety does. What we often don't think about it is that the result of anxiety in our life is selfishness. Right? It's this deep desire for our life to be better than theirs. Right, It's this great ambition, this strong ambition that we have in our lives to make sure that we're beating the people that we're competing with, right? And so in this story, right, so we see that Saul has a strong ambition. But his ambition is selfish. Right, Saul is fighting for himself. Saul is wanting to make sure that he's the one who finishes in first place and not second. He's becoming so wrapped up in who he is. And that's what happens when we become anxious. We become so, self, so self-absorbed. 
we become so focused on ourselves. We become obsessed with how other people are looking at us. Because that is where we're trying to find our worth. But we see in this story that Jonathan also has ambition. But see, unlike his dad, his ambition is selfless. Because he's not fighting for himself. Instead, he is fighting for his friend. He's helping David in the midst of the situation. He makes sure that David succeeds, even if that means that he fails. Right? He's not concerned about trying to keep up with David. Right? He doesn't feel this pressure to do that. Right? He doesn't fear failure. He's not jealous of David, right? And his success doesn't even have to be seen. Instead, he is willing to quietly go to his father and to fight for David so that David's life would be better. And because Jonathan does this, that's exactly what happens, is Jonathan's life eventually ends and David's life eventually goes on to do amazing things. And so like Saul and like Jonathan, all of us in this room, we have strong ambition, right? We have this strong desire to do things. The question is, what kind of ambition do we have? Do we have an ambition that is focused on how other people see us? Or do we have an ambition that is focused on serving other people? And it's so big that we understand which one that we have. It's so big that we get this because I I promise you, I promise you that as long as you find your worth in how other people see you, you will always be anxious. You'll always constantly try to post so that your success can be seen, right? You'll constantly try to get self, you know, try to get validation, try to get other people to confirm who you are. And you'll become a slave to anxiety, because you'll be so concerned about how other people see you. And you'll walk around your life never being content because you'll always be anxious. And I tell you, discontent people always think about themselves. So if we want to learn to be content, if we want to learn to be like Jonathan, right? If we want to be able to overcome the anxiety that we experience when we open up social media, then we have to realize that our worth is not found in how other people see us. It's found in how Jesus does. And our success isn't found on Instagram. Our success is found on a bloody cross. at this place where Jesus did everything because he knew you could never do enough. At this place where Jesus is willing to take on your nasty sin upon himself so that he could give you his righteousness instead. This place where he could die and then rise from the dead, conquering death so that one day you could too. And so because of Jesus' selfless ambition to do everything to save you, now you have a worth that can never go away. 
you have a worth that is constant. And you no longer have to try to achieve any type of success because Jesus has already done that for you. And he's given you a name. He's given you a title. He has given you everything that you need. And now you are fully loved and fully accepted and fully forgiven and a full child of God, always. And so now you can stop trying to chase success because Jesus has already given that to you. And Saul's entire life, he chases after David, right? Both figuratively and literally. And he never catches him. And, and if you continue to f- try to find your worth on Instagram by comparing to other people, you will constantly chase them, but you'll never be able to. Because there's always going to be somebody who has their life figured out better than you do, right? There's always going to be somebody who is more trendier than you. There's always going to be somebody whose relationship is better than yours, always. And so you'll find yourself being anxious. You'll find yourself struggling to live and look like Jesus because you'll be so caught up in trying to be the best and trying to win a competition. But the thing is, if you fall after Jesus, you're not called to win a competition. You're called to pick up your cross. You're called to die to your selfish self every single day and to live a life that looks more like the person who loved you enough to save you. And a life following Jesus, as you guys already know, is a life that is always selfless. Right? It always considers other people being more important than we are. Right? It always looks at other people's lives and hope that they succeed and hope they do things great. It doesn't look at people's competitions. It looks at them as friends and it understands that your most successful moments, most successful moments are not going to be seen. But because of what Jesus has done for you, I mean, you no longer have to do but now you have the option to rest because everything has already been taken care of. Your success has already been determined by what Jesus has done for you. So stop doing and start resting. Start resting because your success has been settled. And you can live in that freedom tonight, knowing that your worth isn't found in an app or what other people think about you. Your worth has already been determined because your success has already been settled. And so tonight as we wrap up, here's my challenge for you. My challenge for you is that when you find yourself feeling anxious, feeling anxious because you see somebody whose life looks better than yours or feeling anxious because you feel like you need to pose to show how great your life is, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put down your phone and I want you to pray for perspective. Pray for perspective. Ask God in that moment to show you that this isn't where your worth is found. Instead, your worth is found in who he says that you are. That your worth isn't found in what other people think about you. Your worth is found in how Jesus has already forgiven you and how he already sees you. Pray for perspective. Because perspective is huge, right? Whether or not you have selfless ambition or whether you have selfish ambition all determines perspective, right? Because if you understand who you are, 
if you understand that your success has been settled, if you understand that you no longer have to prove anything to anybody or even to yourself, that's when you start living for Jesus. Right? That is in your life when you look at other people and you want them to have a great life. You look at other people and you want them to be successful. But if you still feel like you have to prove something, then you'll continue to be anxious, right? you'll continue to be jealous, and you'll continue to be discontent. Because you still feel like you have to prove who you are. So pray for perspective. Pray that God would show you and remind you of who you are in Jesus. A loved and accepted and forgiven child of God and that your worth can never be taken away because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Find peace in that moment. Find rest in your soul in that moment. And use that to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of other people instead of feeling like you have to compete with them. Rest in the fact that your success has been settled. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the opportunity we have to learn from Saul's life, to learn that you are a God who has done everything. So we no longer have to keep striving and keep doing. Instead, we can start resting because you are a God who did everything for us. Lord, hey, Lord, help us remember that our success is found in you, that our joy is found in you, and that you're a God who we can run to in the midst of our jealousy. You're a God who we can run to in the midst of our anger. You're a God who we can run to in the midst of whatever is happening in our lives. And we can find peace knowing that you have us exactly where you want us to be. So my prayer, God, is is as we sing about how big you are, as we sing about the fact that no matter how large we view you to be, you continue to show us that you are bigger than we ever thought you were. That we throw our anxiety upon you when we cast it at your feet. And may we sing but a God who has given us worth, not because we deserve it, but because Christ earned it for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.